What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. We are in studio today with an awesome guest. He is a small animal veterinarian. He's a business owner, an entrepreneur, has bought businesses, has sold his business, has sold practices, became an expert in helping other business owners figure out how to sell their business and the things they need to do. He is the owner of Scout Brokerage, Brennan McGoldrick. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. That was a great intro. I'm you not, like that? I'm not even sure my mom would give me that kind of intro. That was really good. we <laughs> the best I've ever had. Well, uh, 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 you, you caught my attention with uh, you were laughing with the rap music. Uh, I don't, I don't I know just if that was, I was like I was singing a, along. I was like, how long are right. keep this going? Yeah, I told yeah. you it catches people by surprise. Uh, that's from my youth. That sounded good. <laughs> yeah. There is. So... I have something, we'll get to business content in a second, but I have this like thing I do every week. I have yeah. like rap Friday. So I listen to like 90s and 2000 rap every Friday morning on the way to work. Yeah. And you will be shocked how good a mood you are in by the time you get to work when you listen to some of this old school rap. Like that uh, Office Space movie, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you listen to rap on the way to work. So yeah. I have a Is play that where you got that? I have a playlist. I don't even know, maybe. I have no idea where I got it. That's probably it. But yeah. um, me and a buddy of mine used to do it back in college. Um, God, I don't know if Office Space came out before or after that. That's embarrassing. Hopefully before it. <laughs> but we were in college. We'd done that. We'd like have rap music Fridays. We'd listen to really? rap music on the way to class. We'd, drop each, other, we'd drop each other off uh, every Friday morning to class, and we'd be listening to rap music. Yeah, it's better than sad country songs, I guess. Yeah, right? We'd do that, yeah. too. You know, yeah. We'd say that for the weekend. Depends yeah. on the mood, right? <laughs> That's exactly Depends right. on the results of the game on Saturday, right? <laughs> That's it. Man, I am super excited to have you on the podcast today. You are experienced and specialized in really that transition for business owners, being able to sell their business, evaluate their business. What what steps does it take to sell? What are the buyers out there? What are What's happening in my industry with multiples? What do I need to have in place? Um, I think most business owners, they get so hung up in the day-to-day weeds behind running their business and operating. They don't think about these things. And God, my favorite thing to tell business owners is, you really need to consider this stuff because there's only three things that can happen to your business. You either sell it, you give it away or pass it down to somebody, or you shut it down. And so that's it. That's your only exit strategies. And we don't really have a business if we're not building something of value to sell. We have a job. And so, man, tell me a little bit about kind of your history and tell us about Scout and just key us in on who you are and how the heck you got here. Yeah, so a great question. I'll try to keep it brief. I, uh, you know, I think when you think about people owning their own business, a lot of people did what I did. They own a business because they want to follow a passion. So I owned a veterinary practice. I'm a licensed veterinarian. I owned a practice, owned a business, not because I wanted to be a business owner, because I wanted to, you know, hone my craft uh, under my own circumstances and under my own rules. And I think a lot of other business owners do the same thing, whether you own you know, an aquarium shop or construction company, you're doing what you love and you own a business, just like what you said, you're not thinking every day about, you know, what does my P&L look like? Or, you know, what's the best way to exit this business one day? Because you're focused on doing what you really love. That's kind of how I got into this. You know, I I went to to vet school. I practiced for uh, about six or seven years before I purchased uh, a veterinary practice. I had been to business school as well, earned an MBA, and I found the MBA to be 
more inspirational than educational, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I I don't want to be the salaries and wages line item. I want to be the net income line item when I'm looking at a P&L, right? <laughs> so I went and bought a practice. Uh, and interestingly enough, I, I had three business brokers as clients who specified in selling veterinary practices. So the pressure was always there to sell, 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 uh, even if it wasn't necessarily my best interest. But uh, we did eventually transact and, and sold that business probably before I ever thought that I would, only because the market trended to a place where it became hard to say no. Uh, and so I sold the business, moved into the brokerage space with my veterinary background and my business background. I was able to sort of I wouldn't say easily, but seamlessly maybe transition into the brokerage space helping just veterinarians. So I've spent the past five years helping veterinarians exit their practices, right? And sometimes that's uh, a small exit to another veterinarian. Sometimes it's a really, really large exit to a private equity-backed corporation. Uh, But I think that experience translates to other industries, right? So there are a lot of industries like yours that requires professional licensure to run a business. And so, you know, the goal with Scout is to diversify a bit and show that, you know, P&Ls look the same, tax returns look the same, all businesses fundamentally, uh, you know, have the same basic characteristics that they have to meet to be sellable businesses. And so, you know, to diversify uh, for me is important, you know, just like any advisor would tell a client with their financial portfolio, you know, diversify. And so that's what I, that's what I'm doing with Scout. Man, that's awesome. Let's go back to when you sold your vet practice. Yeah. That transaction, was it tremendously harder than you ever expected? Was it easier? Was it smoother? Was it faster? Did it take a lot more heavy lifting? What was your experience in going through that for the first time? Yeah, it was a lot easier than I expected, actually. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. You know, I yeah. didn't. Uh, to be candid, I, I sold my practice to what you call a corporation or, you know, a consolidator backed by private money who mm-hmm. buys a lot of vet practices. I didn't even know that corporations existed who would buy a practice like mine. There were only two of us. We're on an island off the coast of Georgia. Who wants to buy us? Um, I had no plans to sell, uh, you know, sort of stumbled into a business valuation, you know, serendipitously. And I'm said, pretty sure you told me you traded like some heartworm yeah. medicine for a business valuation, yeah. right? I tried not to which public, is, a, which is to, an amazing story. Yeah, I, I traded two boxes of HeartGuard, but <laughs> oh, I, I don't think I should publicly say that I'm <laughs> millions handing, of dollars later. Out, that's yeah, the most right? valuable heartworm medicine. It's a pretty good deal for me. It's a pretty good deal. It cost me like sixty bucks, probably. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, but I, I, I had no plans to do it but just started thinking about it and then realized that the market for vet practices was better than I thought. I was like, yeah, let's do it. But between, hey, I'll think about selling to the time I walked out the door was six months, right? And, and that's a pretty big, that's a pretty, pretty big step to take yeah. in just a few months. It was seamless, easy. I think important to surround yourself with good people, yep. good attorneys. That'd be my dad in this case who represented me in that transaction, uh, you know, good brokers, Got accountants who have my books in order. That's a really big thing. Um, so yeah, it was it was quick and easy. Uh, and, and that's not to say every business is quick and easy, but mine was was certainly pretty that's, smooth. That's awesome. And man, I you hit on the one thing I want our audience to hear more than anything else during this episode. It doesn't really matter your size. It matters value. It matters profit. The market. 
what are they rolling up? What platforms are they building right now? What companies are out there buying other companies in your industry? You never thought there's so many business owners listening right now that don't think they have a sellable business. Like, oh, there's just two of us, or I'm only at $2 million in revenue or whatever it may be. Now, there's ideal places you get to to sell your business, but there's a lot of sellable businesses out there that are small businesses all over our city right now that I don't think people realize they have something that does have some value. That's right. And I don't think it ever hurts to just look and test the market. I mean, we have some resources available to us to say, hey, this is what is trending right now, right? These are the businesses, whether they're roofing companies or dental offices or vet practices. This is what's trending right now. This is what, you know, private equity is investing in. But, you know, I don't don't want to just talk about big companies being sold to private equity because I think there is certainly a market among individuals that I get calls from all the time and say, hey, I just want to buy a great business. You know, I, I want to buy something fun. I want to buy something that produces profit. You don't necessarily have to have a background in that company if you're willing to learn. People are looking to always buy great businesses. And, and I think people assume that, well, I'm not Twitter. I'm not going to sell for $40 billion. <laughs> I don't have a sellable business. That's not correct. And, and so I think it definitely behooves people to just think, even if you're – I've had people call me and say I'm 15 years away from selling – what do I need to do to oh get Oh, my ready? God, I love that yeah, long-term mindset. Sold that one three months later. But anyway, <laughs> you know, because, you know, he says, I don't think it's worth anything. I'm going to have to work 15 years. We did the valuation. He said, never mind, I can retire off that number. Yeah. And so that's where just planning ahead makes sense. But even if it takes 15 years, that's okay with me. You know, I mean, I, I think it's it's fun to talk to people about their businesses, meet cool people, learn about new things and then just help people plan. You know, it's not a business. We don't think of business brokerage as, you know, a, a quick return, right? We meet people, we have relationships. I like to become personal friends with a lot of my clients where I keep up with them and we talk about their kids and we talk about their vacations and, you know, it's okay to take a long time. And if people say, well, I don't know, like, what do, you, what do you think it's worth? There's no you know, for me, at least there's no fees for that. Like, let's just chat. Right. And and that's not a sales pitch, but I think it's what people need to do. It's just be thinking about what does the future look like? And if I can't sell right now, what can I do to maybe sell when I'm ready to retire? But I think people have two kinds of considerations, right? Their financial considerations and then non-financial, like, you know, do you want to retire? Do you want to yep. pass this business down to your children? Like you mentioned earlier, all those things you need to start planning well ahead of time um, doesn't have to be just I'm ready to transact. Like I would call a real estate broker if I'm ready to transact, right? But you know, a business broker I think is a, is a longer term relationship typically. I like that, and and there is no such thing as having that conversation too early. There's not, uh, and that's what I love about your your high touch, high customer service, relationship based, and I think that's huge. I mean. It's, Business owners, their business is something they've sacrificed everything for. They've put their entire lives into. They've often neglected themselves, their health, their family at some portion, getting this thing off the ground. It's their baby. And so having somebody that's a relationship-based broker and broker not being some word that's really, you know, sounds like, oh, my God, this person's going to try to, like, get me sold really fast and to my detriment. You're somebody that's going to look after them, help protect them, protect the business. And that's, I love that conversation you had there because 
as a as a business owner, if you have a valuable business and, and you can determine what that is for them, you have options. I've I've been a part of client selling businesses. I've been a part of my own businesses. I've sold the option to stay on for five years, the option to stay on at a high salary, the option to get paid out right away, to get paid out over 10 years, options to leave equity in the business, to have equity in other businesses they're buying inside of different roll-ups or platforms. And so there is truly 10 or 15 different structures or models and ways this could be laid out to get what you want out of it. That's right. It doesn't have to be just I sell for cash and I, and I disappear. And, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that people are, are typically really passionate about their businesses. For a lot of people, the exit from their business is the biggest financial transaction they'll ever be involved with, right? You think of buying a home as maybe the biggest. If you sell a business, that could be your, your biggest transaction. And a lot of people just need someone to talk to. You know, I, I jokingly tell people I could keep a full-time therapist really busy Helping my clients, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative. Like light. I'm a tax guy slash therapist, so I get exactly, I 100 right? get it. Yeah, you know, I had a conversation. People tell me things they shouldn't all the time. 100. I had a conversation with a client the other day. She's she's out of state, but you know she may not listen to this. Hopefully, but you know she lost her mom a week ago. She's in the oh, middle of a closing that's supposed to happen next week. Buyer's not behaving, and you know we chatted for 30 minutes. And at the end of it, I said, "Okay, what's you know what's our plan of action?" And she said, "Brendan, I just needed to talk. Like that. That's all I was after. It was just." talking. And I, I think that's what we have to do. I mean, there are some really good business brokers out there. There's probably some that are only thinking about commission, but uh, I don't like to think of myself as a commission chaser. I think any profession, maybe brokers, financial advisors, real estate agents who work on commission basis can get that reputation that, hey, I'm just pushing you to sell. But, you know, I, I think I always tell people when we first talk, tell me about your business and tell me what your goals are, right? Those are the first things I ask. You know, I want to learn about what you're doing, and I want to learn what you want to accomplish. Do you want to just cash out and get moved to Hawaii? Good for you. Let's make that happen. Do you want to work for five years like you mentioned? We can make that happen too. What I can't make happen is if you wait until you absolutely have to sell it. We call it a fire sale, right? Your options are really limited. Buyers pick up on that. So, you know, the earlier you think about it, the more options you have, just like you mentioned. Man, I love that. And that is my favorite thing from a broker perspective. And I mean, there's a lot of value you guys bring to the table that, that I've experienced and seen. But but my favorite thing is options. Yep. If you can get ahead of it, people have options to get what they want. And this thing can be laid out multiple ways. Not only that, you have options options of different buyers. You're not, your ball's not all in one court. I've seen so many business owners that locally transacted with somebody buying their business. At some point, it was the point of no return for them to sell their business. They're stuck to their terms. They're stuck to negotiations and due diligence. They had one buyer and were really just under leveraged of any decision making. Whereas if you if you work with a broker, if you work with you and your team, then you have other buyers out there. You said you have people calling all the time, hey man, I want to buy a business. You got anything out there? And that's I think that's this is huge for our listeners. If you're even thinking about selling your business, you will get so much more money and so many more options working with a broker. And if you're out there with cash, this is the case more so than I've ever seen a lot of 
people have cash right now and have no idea what to do with it. And so calling you, reaching out, saying, hey, I'm interested in buying a business because I can leverage my cash position to get a much higher return than I can on real estate or anything else if I do it right in business. I mean, I can, a lot of times for me, when I bought businesses, if I was able to grow it or value add, I had all of my out-of-pocket cash back within three years. So I had a risk-free, no capital needed business at that point, just kicking off profits and at a higher multiple valuation if I wanted to resell it. So it's an awesome vehicle for investment if you connect with the right people that know what to look for and if you got through that process. Yeah, you know, I do have people reach out on a regular basis like, hey, I'm, I'm willing to spend up to $5 million within 100 miles of Atlanta. What are, you, what are you looking yeah. for? I don't know, anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't care because <laughs> – I need to invest some money, yeah. You're right. I mean, financial advisors are, are great and they can, you know, provide really good avenues for steady wealth growth. There are some people, I think, like you and me – who feel like we're chronic entrepreneurs, right? Like I can take this business and I can grow it and I can sell it and not to be cheesy, but working for yourself, that's American dream stuff, right? Like start a business, buy a business. There are more buyers than there are sellers. And I think, you know, a lot of sellers, I've heard of people, they had just closed my business down. Like, well, you know, even if you didn't want to make a ton of money, if that wasn't your priority, you know, make something that you can give, give away, right? Whatever it is, I have buyers all the time. If I could keep every buyer happy, I'd be thrilled because that means that there's enough business to go around. But, you know, startups are tough. Lending environments, though, are still relatively friendly. I mean, interest rates are obviously yeah. higher. But to buy a $5 million business doesn't cost you $5 million in cash, right? Yeah. You go put some debt on that business. And, you know, we, we see bankers call me all the time. Hey, like, got any buyers? We're willing to lend money, right? Yep. I, there's just a, a ton of interest in in businesses that are profitable or that people see a path to profitability. And I think it's just about finding value. Business valuation is a really subjective task. Um, but, you know, figuring out again, what are, what are a business owner's priorities? Top cash. Is it, you know, Hey, I want to find the best fit for my staff going forward. I just want somebody who's like-minded to me. That's what we want to know. I mean, it doesn't have to be necessarily the highest bidder. Right? Maybe we're just finding the right person to carry on a small business legacy. So, yeah, it's 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 a bit like matchmaking, right? Like you're putting two people together that you think will will you know will transact well together, and that both can be successful. Even if I represent a seller, I want the buyer to be really successful. Even there, there there's nothing in it for me from a cash perspective, but that's a cool thing to see, right? That somebody bought a business, they took it and ran with it. I, helping a guy down in Florida not long ago. I helped him buy a business two years ago. It didn't have a ton of cash in the bank. He sold it a couple months ago. Now he has a million bucks in the bank, right? Like that, that's cool for me to be a part of and to, to see people who are just like me, you know, they're just regular folks who decided to make an investment and borrow some money that was kind of scary at times, but it really paid off down the road. So I love working with people like that. I love that. And here's, Here's one of the most exciting things that we haven't even talked about, and I think this is what a lot of business owners don't realize either. We've we've talked about kind of the zero to the ten scenario. Zero, you keep your business forever and shut it down or give it away, or just stay in the day to day and don't think about selling. The ten is selling for millions of dollars. There's a lot of in between. There is a lot of people out there looking to invest in a business to help you grow it. The, the partnerships, the mergers, the you have 
you figured something out, but you don't have the capital to add fuel to the fire. So this isn't necessarily always a situation where where you have to reach out when you're ready to sell and, yeah, walk away and spend the rest of your life at the beach. This could be something where you know you could grow your business or you know you could grow 10 other locations. This, this happened to me with a client this past month. He has two locations. He has a model in an industry that is growing faster than almost anything else out there. And if he was able to partner with 10 to $14 million in capital, they could open up another seven or eight locations, which gets them in a position to franchise, to be able to borrow any amount of money they need at that point, to then take them on a trajectory to have 105 stores. And so there's all sorts of ways to partner, merge, bring in investors with capital, but you you run the operation side. Um, there's all sorts of cool structures behind it. And so it isn't just necessarily a sale situation where you walk away. There's there's all sorts of models that work. There is. You know, you mentioned 15 different models, minority investment, majority investment. You know, hey, I'll, I'll sell you a majority, but I'm going to continue to own and participate on the upside. I'm going to take a second bite of the apple down the road when we exit. You know, I just – I think individuals like, you know, you and me, at some point our personal guarantees at the bank – aren't really worth, you know, what they need to be worth, right? <laughs> right. I can only borrow so much money yeah. before people start to look at me sideways. So, you know, can I take on what we traditionally think of as a silent partner, a minority investor? You know, there are there are so many investors out there. I mean, there's access to databases of uh, what we call buy-side mandates. People just list, these are the things I want. This is what how much I'm willing to invest. You know, go find me these businesses and equity funds, family offices that hire people just to go find cool yeah. businesses to invest in. And just like the one you were talking about, he just needs an infusion of cash, but he should also participate in the upside, right? If he sells out now and he sells 100%, somebody else is going to take all the upside that he created. Hang in there. You know, there's some really cool people out there, right, that have a lot of – just because they have a lot of money doesn't mean they're not fun to hang out with. And I work <laughs> with some people now who tell me, you know, and they're they're incredibly wealthy people – and they say, look, our rule of thumb is this. If I won't go out to dinner or have a beer with you, then I won't work with you. There's a lot of people like that out there who are just looking for money, places to park their money. But they're really fun to be around because I, I think private equity, family office, that stuff can sound a little bit intimidating to a, a small business owner who has only, you know, who's worked with with a local bank. And that's, that's a great relationship. If you talk about taking on investors, the whole thing just sounds maybe bigger than what a small business owner can handle but it's really not, you know, there, there are some really good opportunities for people out there, but it, it doesn't, I mean, there are certainly some firms who will charge upfront fees. I don't do that. It never hurts to look. That's what I tell people. It doesn't yeah. cost you any money. It costs you a little time, right? Like let's go out there and take a look and see what's available. But people are surprised and they get out how many cool options are available. I agree. I think when I started being in the room with private equity, the most shocking thing to me was how, normal and casual everybody at the table was. I mean, I'm I'm sitting in the room with somebody that's hands-on managing, has all the decision-making authority over $4 billion that he, he has to deploy. And he's the most normal, nicest, casual, dressed dude I've ever met. Honestly, not terribly impressive. Right. Just normal people, that ever, they're trying to find a win for everybody. And I think that's the cool thing about this 
type of sale and relationship is if it's handled right, this is a long-term sustainable win where everybody gets what they want. And that's super cool. You're right. And, you know, uh, uh, it reminded me of a funny story. So during the height of COVID, we were doing everything via Zoom, really. Uh And I was on a Zoom call with like three people from a private equity firm. They were looking at this business. And I was like, look, guys, I'm going to be totally honest with you. You know, I've got this button down on, but I really was just wearing a hoodie and I put this on just for you. (laughs) Every one of them was like, yeah, me too. So we all agreed. We're like, can we just all put our hoodies (laughs) back on like we want to do it? And so, (laughs) yeah, I mean, they're just normal people. Just because they have access to a ton of money doesn't mean that they're scary, right? (laughs) And, um, you know, it it doesn't have to be as intimidating. And that's where maybe a broker – somebody told me the other day I was complaining about how broker has this kind of negative connotation. They're like, well, call yourself a business intermediary. So I'm going to roll with that. That's where a business intermediary can really help you out, right? <laughs> business concierge. Yeah, you know, like that. I love yeah. it. That's awesome. It's um no, it, it's really something everybody out there should be thinking about. And honestly, even if you're just starting your business or you're just getting into it, you know, start having those conversations or or know this is kind of the next step of questions I want to ask you. Um what are the things I need to start doing in my business to make it sellable or make it more valuable? I, I feel like the first one is I'm probably toot my own whistle over here and and probably promote my own business. I'm going to agree with you. Get your financials I mean, in order. You've got to have you've got to have finance. You've got to know what what your revenue and profit numbers are on a monthly level. You got to have historical financials. Like that's it, right? That's the number one most important thing. I, I had someone send me a referral the other day, and they said, "I'm going to warn you, this seller is going to hand you his financials written in pencil on a piece of paper." <laughs> So I'm not sure I can sell that, right? But get QuickBooks, everybody. It's it, easy. Get, it's cheap. It's spend two hours paying somebody to teach you how to use it. Yes. Consult with a bookkeeper or your CPA if you have questions. You know, there are things that belong there, things that don't. It doesn't mean that you can't buy a new car and ride it off through the business. Everybody does that. But, you know, get your financials in order and just make sure that they're presentable. And, it, again, don't have to be ready to sell tomorrow but when you get ready, people will look back for years historically, and it needs to make sense. So I, I was gonna, I was gonna plug your business anyway. Get your, <laughs> well, I, get your financials I, in order. You, you really do. I mean, you've got to have financials. You've got to. I mean, I think everybody looks at the last year, or twelve months trailing, but you really need to have two or three years of historical financials in the same system, in the same software. But here's the deal that I've learned, and, and this is where working with somebody that. It is a broker that knows what they're doing and how, and this is one of the ways I can get you so much more money. You don't have to necessarily have clean financials. We've been able to go back for two or three years and clean things up, move things on to the balance sheet, move things into owner expense. I mean, having some ability to go back and having a team to do that and have those ad backs. I mean, there was, there was a deal I was a part of. It made, somewhere to the tune of like a $12 million difference. Yeah. Just going in and cleaning up the P&L to truly reflect business operations. And that that multiple on their EBITDA or on their profit stayed the same, but their profit increase increased tremendously because we were just writing a bunch of stuff off. We were running a bunch of stuff through the P&L because we thought we would never sell. That was not on our radar. Right. We were taking advantage of a lot of tax beneficial items but then we figured out, hey, there's a buyer on the other end that's interested. We can clean this up. Yep. And the numbers go up by $12 million yep. on what the check looks like. You can clean it up. You can you can make those adjustments. I think the other thing, though, is just 
from a global point of view, if I'm a buyer and I see that a seller has their ducks in a row financially, it really gives me the indication that this business is really well run, right? You know, if if you get your P&L with a pencil and paper, God bless you, but people are going to say, well, how are you running <laughs> How's the rest everything of this else? business, right? <laughs> and so I think it really makes a huge difference, not only just from a, a purchase price perspective or to enterprise value perspective, but, you know, just how, this shows organization. And I think that's really important. Just like when you go look at a house, right? Like, Put a fresh coat of paint on it. You know, oh, wow, this looks nice. This has potential. Yeah, if you find you duct tape and yeah. bell and wire holds yeah. stuff together, you're like, yeah, I don't know. If so we don't want to be in duct tape. That's, right. that's a really good analogy, yeah, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I like that. All right. Do you, I think this may be a misconception. This may be true. I don't know. Do businesses need to be really, really buttoned up from systems and processes and procedures and do they need to be ran like a franchise or, or can they be ran like a small business owner? No, I think buyers love potential, right? And so we, one thing that I've heard and I'll steal from someone else is it's hard to price a business on potential, typically priced on historical earnings, but you can sell a business on potential, right? This is where you can go. And I've had buyers, like we talked about earlier, reach out to me and they say, I said, what are you looking for? I want a business I can fix, right? I want something I can grow. Yeah. That's the world have, I live in. That's yeah, exciting. Right? That's yeah. cool, right? As like, an entrepreneur in my heart, I'm like, I don't, if, I don't want to buy it and not touch it. I want to go fix it and tinker with it, make yeah, it better. right? Yeah. Make it, you know, more technologically savvy, whatever it is. How do you take this and scale it up? So you can definitely sell on potential. But that's what we have to understand is what is the potential of this business? And even if an owner says, hey, I'm happy with where I am. Like, I'm happy making this amount of money. I don't think we need to bring AI into our business. If a buyer wants to do that and you can sell them on you know, their interest level, sell them on a certain purchase price based on potential, that's, that's helpful. So no, it doesn't have to be a perfect business. There is no perfect business. There are a lot of imperfect businesses, but potential is what excites people like you and me, right? Yeah. You, know, you see, hey, I can add value. And then when I go sell it down the road, I've made myself more of a return than I would have in a money market account or something like that, right? That's the... Uh, I'm sure you've seen this recently too, the crazy thing. And I've had some business owners that didn't have any interest in selling. But when offers came to the table, you look at them like, man, you, you've got to sell. Like it, it's a, yeah. in the next 10 years, you can't make this amount of money. Like when I run this on a spreadsheet, when I run this on paper, you can make more money with this money than keeping this business for the next 10 years. That's and that's right. when it's, I'm like, man, when, when the numbers start telling us that, I'm like, it's, pretty exciting. It is exciting. And I think certain industries, you know, you kind of follow these trends, right? Like things get hot and everybody wants to gobble up, you know, aviation companies or veterinary practices like I came from, you know, when, when your industry hits its peak, we got to the point in the veterinary industry where people would honestly say, if you own a big vet practice and you aren't selling it right now, you're making a mistake. (laughs) I mean, you're taking 20 years worth of earnings out of a sale, you're taxed at a, at a lower long-term capital gains rate. Yeah. Why would you keep going to work every day? Right. And so, yeah. And so I think some people missed the boat on that. You know, now they're thinking, well, I should have done this two years ago. They're still valuable, but you know, every industry will, will hit its peak at some point. Um, And so it's important to know, and you can kind of track some of these metrics about what's being bought and what are the multiples that they're, they're being sold for. These things are available. And, you know, and so people can say, Hey, I have an electric company. You know, what do you think that's worth? Or are you seeing positive trends in that direction? But yeah, if, if someone tells me, Hey, Brennan, you can shut down Scout. I'll give you 30 years worth of earnings for it. Like, 
All right. Show me where to sign. <laughs> yeah. See you later. I love what I do, yeah. but I don't love it that much. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Exactly right. Somebody offered you $200 million for this podcast. Said you had to step away, you'd probably take it off. You can offer me a fraction of that, and we'll, <laughs> we'll have a conversation. <laughs> Twelve pounds. <laughs> Maybe not hardware medicine, but you know, something a little Two more. Boxes than, of it. <laughs> a little more than I'll that. I'll make you a deal. All right, so we've identified financials are a must. Perfect systems and processes are not. A lot of business owners want to come in and fix stuff, or they want to sometimes change stuff, sometimes not. Um, anything else that really our business owners out there need to know that, hey, this is – what you need to be doing or do or have an order for the next steps of considering selling? Yeah, I think one thing people should at least consider is business valuation. You know, how, yep. how much is my business worth? With the caveat to that being business valuation is one of the more subjective exercises out there. Yeah, there are certainly certified and qualified valuation analysts who do this all day, every day. Give it to another certified valuation analyst, they'll tell you something totally different, right? And so I tell people, like we talked about before we started, you know, business is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. But I think to have some idea. And, you know, I was talking to an M&A guy yesterday. So the best you'll ever do is give someone a range for what you think it's worth. And I think that's very Love true. That. Yep. You know, hey, even if you say, hey, what do you think it's worth today? I can't tell you what it'll be worth five years from now. We don't know if we're going to go back through 2008 all over again. We just, you never know. But to have some idea, or even on the flip side, if someone says, this isn't a sellable business right now. It's not profitable, you know, but these are the steps maybe you could take. I think just valuation or considering kind of an informal valuation it doesn't have to be a written report that, you know, I could defend in a courtroom. Like, let's just talk and say, hey, I, yeah. think, I, think, it's worth, I think it's worth a million. I think it's worth five million. I think it's worth nothing. But here's the steps you can take to get it yeah. even more. And here's the pros and cons of why it's maybe yeah. worth more or worth less than it could be. Or, I'll, hey, I'll you've got that. a C-Corp, and you're going to get double taxed oh, when you yeah, sell it. Yeah, Have yeah. you thought about maybe talking to Talk Chad about, about going to If you've got a C-Corp, right. you're living in the 80s. Change that now. <laughs> right, right. But there are people who have it. And when you go to sell it, you're like, you're aware you're going to be double taxed. Wait, what? Switch me to an S-Corp. All right, well, well, now i got to wait five uh, years, uh, whatever it is. So um, I, I think, you know, structure – uh, I think it's also important to keep your key employees happy, right? If you've got key employees, your managers, your leadership team, keep them happy. You know, consistency is good. But also think about what's in it for them when you exit. Are you going to take the money and run and leave them to work? Or did they really help you build your company to where it is? Should they participate in some of the upside when you sell? Um, key employees would be would be the last thing I would, I would talk about. I love that, man. When we talk about business valuations and asking questions and finding out more, where do people find you at? How do they connect with you? How do they connect with Scout? Yeah, so Scout, uh, scoutbusiness.com. You can email me, um, Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N, at scoutbusiness.com. You just call my cell phone. I don't know. Is that a thing? Can yeah. I get on my cell number? Man, yeah, 706 614 know, as relationship and as personal as you'll get. Shoot me a text day. on a Saturday. You'll probably hear back from me. So, um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a 24-7 gig, but it's uh, – it's a lot of fun. Man, that's awesome. All right, this is my favorite part of the episode. This yeah. is when we start to wrap things up, but not before we do Brennan's max out moment. This is a part of the Stronger Business Podcast where we get to really like level up, max out. One tactic, one tip, one takeaway for everybody out there listening. Like if they didn't hear anything else, what is one piece of advice, tactic, tip, some guidance, some something you would give as your max out moment? Yeah, my max out moment, like we've talked about, is just plan ahead. 
plan ahead, yes. plan way ahead. If you don't think you're going to sell your business for 10 years, if you want to give it to your kids in 20 years, you should still be thinking just like estate planning, right? You know, I hope I'm around for another 40 or 50 or whatever, but my estate is planned just in case, you know, plan ahead, know what your asset is worth and just be ready when the time comes. I love it. Get out of the day to day, get out of the fires for a second, yeah. think ahead, plan ahead to get ahead of this thing. Well, man, you have been awesome. Thank so you much. for joining us on the Stronger Business Podcast. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, man, this has been fun. I'm excited to talk more, connect with more business owners here in Athens. And um, thank you all for listening. Uh, go to strongerbusiness.com. Share this with anybody you think that may need to think about selling their business or maybe interested in selling at any point in the future. Remember, think long term. Y'all have an awesome weekend. You know I got it. If you want to come get it, stand next to this money like, hey, 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 hey